Cafe on RX Radio and I am Crystal always looking forward to hearing from my guests and hearing more about their experiences and what they are passionate about. Today my guest is the founder and executive director of Mind Bloom Africa, a community mental health organization that focuses on stress, anxiety and depression. She is a health enthusiast, a feminist and a fashion lover. She's passionate about strategic communication, access to mental health services and representation of young people in core health spaces. I have Cynthia Stacy Wambutsi joining me on the Groove Cafe. Hello. Hello Crystal, how are you? I am good. How are you, my dear? I'm doing good. Mhm. I hope this year hasn't been too stressful for you. No, it hasn't. It's been filled with so much good and I'm very grateful for that. Okay. Uh you've learned how to navigate stress as well. So we're going to be asking you about that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So Cynthia, tell me, are you Ugandan? Yes, I'm Ugandan mm-hmm. and I grew up here as well. So All right. Where was that? Where was that? <laughs> I was born in Kampala. Mhm. But I do live between Jinja and Kampala from time to time. Oh, did you grow up in Jinja at any point? Yes, my early childhood was in Jinja and then my adolescent life was in Kampala with my parents. Okay, but you've still found your way back to Jinja. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Is that work related? No, 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 no. Um when I'm working, I'm in Kampala full time. Mm-hmm. When I'm not, that's when I'm in Jinja. Okay. So Jinja is a peaceful place for you? It's a very peaceful place. I like that everything slows down. The chaos of Kampala is not there mm-hmm. and it's just nice to be by the river. Okay. Ah, now now I'm with you 100%. There's something about water. <laughs> it's so healing. I know there are some people who apparently don't like to be by water. They're dreaming of crocodiles and all manner of things, but some of us were like, "Yay, this is very healing." I like to be by the water, not on the water. <laughs> <laughs> to clarify, what about in the water? No, thank you. <laughs> by the water. <laughs> safely by the water. Okay. Safely by the water. Okay, so Cynthia, tell me, in school, what were you like? Were you a very active child? Were you very reserved were you very you know you know big on drama things like that i was um i think i can say i was reserved i was better um a writer okay so i was not that active like you'd not find me in drama class you'll not find me in sports but i'll definitely write something up and uh i wasn't talkative but if there was something that I wanted to say I'd say it so I was pretty reserved but assertive as well. Okay. And if it was something you were interested in, you'd really engage. Yes, only if I'm completely interested. Ah. Otherwise, it would have to be compulsory to get me into it. Okay. All right. Yeah. And what about in high school? Did things change? Not really. Mm. I've just always been much into writing. In high school I did develop a love for watching rugby games. I loved rugby games because oh. it was 
a big part. I went to Makere College School and rugby was a big part uh-huh. of Makere College. Okay. So I grew to love the game in high school. Mm-hmm. And I still, from time to time, I'm always, you know, going for a game or two. Oh, you still support? Legends or Chadondo. Uh-huh. Yes. Nice, nice. Okay. What is it about rugby you like? I don't know. It just excites me. I think it's like the roughness of the game. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to be a part of it. Like It's like water for me. I just want to be, you know, bystander. <laughs> Safely watching out of harm's Safely way. Yeah? Out of harm's way. That's what I like. Okay. All right. So what about university? University, it was basically just school for me, really. Mm. I studied mass communication and uh journalism yeah i studied the bachelor's but again i've never really been an active person i'm always on the sidelines mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. but because of the kind of course it it is i did get to do what i do best which is just writing okay so writing is a passion yes it even is now a you're still writing not as much as I'd like to, mm-hmm. but I do plan on resuming writing properly mm-hmm. because I do want to write novels. I used to write um, plays in quotes and people would read them at oh, school. Wow. And yes, and people really enjoyed them. So you can imagine how many times I get asked, when are you publishing? Oh, <laughs> you need to engage in that again. Don't let that gift go. Yes, definitely next year I'll you'll be seeing something next year for sure. Okay, you said it. You said it. That's a promise <laughs> now. Next year we can I look promise. forward to something. Okay. You so, can look forward to something. So as someone who did mass communication and journalism, how did you find yourself in the mental health mm-hmm. space? It started as um sexual reproductive health and rights. I started doing that in my vacation. I was working for an NGO called Youth Equality Center mm-hmm. and it grew for me as I, I became passionate about it after entering the space. Okay. So the shift came, um, I started losing motivation and it just wasn't, I think I got tired. It just wasn't feeling, you know, I didn't feel like I was giving my best potential. This was at work? Sexual, yeah, at work, but also in general, in sexual reproductive health. As I said before, I'm a very... Um, passion-driven person. So unless I'm interested in something, mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to do it the best that I can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I started reading a lot on uh, mental health. That was about 2019, 2018, 2019. Okay. I started reading a lot on mental health. And I think that's where my passion grew. Mm-hmm. But it was cemented um, in 2020 when I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder. So it made me realize, um, first of all, how privileged I am because I came from a family where that was something that was quickly addressed mm-hmm. and, and you accepted. You got a diagnosis, and, yes. Yes, and I was privileged enough to get a proper diagnosis, start the treatment and start the therapy. And it made me understand so many things. It opened my eyes up to a whole different world because I was experiencing things I was not used to. Mm-hmm. I was going through things that I was not used to. So reading a lot on that and watching a lot of things on that, I got more and more interested. Mm-hmm. 
And then I started getting into the space, talking to different psychologists, different psychiatrists, different social workers working within the space. Mm -hmm. And it also opened me up to people who are living with mental illness, both well and uh, not very well. Okay. And it made me realize that, first of all, getting access to proper healthcare in Uganda is very difficult. Yeah, And since I already had the background in sexual reproductive health and rights, I had been seeing some of these things, but I was not relating. Now they made more sense. Mm -hmm. And I think that is how my shift happened because I realized it's a big, big issue in Uganda. And that is where Mind Bloom Africa came in. Okay, now I understand. I just wanted to take you back a bit. You said you were thankful that your family was very, you know, responsive and they quickly stepped in. Um, what were you going through that started, you know, to give people warning signs? It was a series of things over a period of about a year or two, maybe a year and a half. Okay. And there was a complete change um, in my behavior and I lost so much weight. I'm a really small girl. Mm-hmm. So for me, being really small and losing so much weight in a very short period of time mm. was very alarming. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was very alarming. I wasn't able to eat. I wasn't able to sleep. I wasn't relating with people both uh, in family and in my social circle the same way that I used to. So you I withdrew? I withdrew completely, completely. Mm. Okay. Um, that included phone calls and texts as well. Oh, wow. Um, I think I stopped going to school for a bit as well. Mm-hmm. I wasn't writing anymore. I was just very isolated. And, well, a few people say this. I don't know how true it is because I never felt it, but they were seeing it. They said for most of the time, I just had, you know, like emptiness in my eyes. And I never react to anything And before I was a really reactive person, you know, Mm -hmm. I'd never react to anything, but I didn't think anything was wrong. I was actually literally dragged to hospital by my parents. Oh, I was about to ask you if you felt like something was wrong. So you you felt like what? There was nothing? I just felt empty. Like there was just emptiness. So you had no interest in anything or talking to anyone? No, I didn't have any interest. I wasn't talking to anyone. I didn't want to do anything. And I mean anything. Wow. I was, like I said, emptiness. I was just empty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So it was um, and my father, I think, was talking to different psychiatrists at the time. Those, uh, but prior to that, mm-hmm. there was with the weight loss and everything, I was taken to a physician and the physician is like, there's nothing wrong, but I suggest you see a mental health professional. Uh-huh. And he, he he gave a referral to the psychiatrist that I've seen to date. Okay. And then, But I wasn't buying it. I felt like I was being told I'm mad or something. Mm-hmm. And I hate to use the word mad because it's very offensive. It is. Mm-hmm. But that's how I felt. I felt like, I'm being treated like a mad person. I'm being treated like I have no control over my life. And there's nothing wrong with me. Why are you? Mm -hmm. Yes. And there's nothing wrong with me. Mm -hmm. So my parents spoke to the psychiatrist for a while before taking me in. And yeah, it was that first visit with the psychiatrist. I just broke down. Yeah, I just broke down. And that is how the journey started. 
-hmm. and I started picking up interest over time. It was hard in the beginning being compatible with um, a therapist, being compatible with the medication. Uh, It was a process, but it's now at a place where I'm completely comfortable with uh, my diagnosis. I'm doing well and Mm -hmm. I'm living well with it. I know how to regulate my emotions now and I'm more aware of my general well-being like i'll know when i'm getting too far i'll know when i'm pushing myself beyond the limit i'll Mm -hmm. understand when anxiety is kicking in and i'll also understand how to cope with it how to deal with it so that i can be able to function normally without it breaking me down completely but i also understood the importance of taking time off Mm -hmm. okay and resting and that's our time in ginger when we when we can Okay, well, that self-awareness is so important and most people don't recognize it. Like you said, you just push, push, push until you get to a point where you just have nothing left. Okay, so the decision to start Mind Bloom Africa, when was this? This was in 2020 during COVID. I joined uh, Startup Africa. It's an organization that helps students Um come up with ideas until the time where they're setting off the idea into a real business. Okay. So I joined that and I trained with so many people. I'm very thankful to my mentors at that um, organization because they helped me shape Mindbloom into what it is today. And mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure I would have done it without them because at that time my diagnosis was still really heavy on me. And I was going through the most. And it didn't help that it was during lockdown. Yeah. So it was crazy. So I'm very thankful to the team at Startup Africa. They gave me the support that I needed. Mm -hmm. I'm very thankful to my family, to my friends for providing a very good support system. And I'm thankful to the doctors that have helped me on this journey. That's the psychiatrist and the psychologist. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I yes. think I think one of the most important things to be helped, you have to be willing to ask for help or to take the help offered. So how does Mind Bloom Africa work exactly? Because you look at individual psychotherapy, but also for people living as refugees in Uganda. Yes. Yes. So you have a number of programs running. We do have a number of programs running. We provide psychotherapy for refugees living within Kampala. Mm -hmm. We have not yet broadened out to different parts of the country. So for now, we reach out to organizations that support refugee programs. And then through them, we get into their database and provide psychotherapy to the refugees within their database. Okay. So it helps with trauma recovery and integration into the Ugandan community but also helping them get um, understand their trauma and learn how to deal and cope with it mm-hmm. and still thrive because it's important to have a home, but it's also important to be able to run the home. And sometimes for some people, the trauma holds them back from actually running the home. Okay. Uh, how are you managing this rent, this food, this school fees, mm-hmm. the other basic needs that you need for the family? So how do you manage that in a mentally healthy way for them so for individuals we do psychotherapy sessions for individuals with verified psychologists in kampala but for individuals at the moment we do online sessions okay 
Yes. Well, I think since COVID, a lot more people are doing that and it works very well, actually, from what I've heard. Yes, it does work, but it's also important that the patient is compatible with the psychologist because there's cases where a patient may not be compatible with a psychologist. And then in that situation, yes, the therapy will go on, but it may not yield the best possible results for the patient at the time. Yes, maybe they're not able to open up fully. They're not comfortable. So, yes, that's important. Yes. Yes. Okay, but you're also working around mentally aware and healthy workplaces. For a lot of organizations, I think some are beginning to embrace the importance of mental health awareness for their staff, but many are clueless in Uganda, I have to be honest. How is that going? It's quite difficult, I must say, because there's so much ignorance in Uganda when it comes to being mentally aware. Mm -hmm. But one thing that cuts across all workplaces is the more mentally aware your workplace is, the more productivity, and that means the more money that you're going to make. So you need to be able to understand that because you may not care about your employees' mental health, but you do care about the money that you're going to make at the end of the Mm -hmm. day. And you, you care about the productivity of your employees. That is why it's important to care about the mental health uh, environment in your workplace is it mentally healthy are your people okay because even what, what, when you what are some of the common mistakes people make or certain situations that are overlooked and quite common in the workplace the biggest one is bullying there is workplace bullying and it's not always out there sometimes it's just microaggressions mm-hmm. and over time that piles up uh there's also sexual harassment within the workplace which is pretty common these days unfortunately and, I'm not very sure about before, but these days um, it's very, very common sexual harassment and mm-hmm. bullying. Mm-hmm. You, you might want to have that tough talk and that macho look at work and whatnot, but it does impact your employees. You've seen workplaces where the turnover is really high every end of the year because you also have employees, some of your employees feel disposable in the workplace. So how do you make sure that this goes right? And one of the most important things that I always say is being able to notice is very important, but Mm -hmm. also building strong collaborative relationships in the workplace that have boundaries because you also don't want to cross the threshold from caring to babysitting. Yes, true, true. Okay. Hmm. A lot to think about. All right. So you said, um, unfortunately, there's a lot of ignorance. There's a lot of ignorance and there's a lot of stigma. People relate mental health and illness to a completely helpless person, to a completely useless person, to somebody that cannot do anything. But mental health and illness looks different for everybody. There's some people that are going to come to work and at work they will be okay. But they're just trying to put on a brave face and push their nine to five and go back home and curl in their bed and cry. Mm-hmm. It also looks like people um, just being productive at certain points in the year, during certain points during the month. It also looks like some people just completely withdrawing from actually working and just doing the bare minimum and that's it. Yeah. So you need to be able to notice but the managers in the workplace both at the higher level and the medium level need to be able to notice and need to be able to have these collaborative relationships where people are comfortable 
speaking about work it could be as simple as asking how are you doing how did the day go at the end of the day just having a, a small meeting where people are just you know mm-hmm. talking about how did the day go yeah. and even just a meeting of 10 minutes just five minutes which is rare in uganda for some reason i don't understand why yep but just <laughs> people only meeting. meet when something's wrong <laughs> exactly so just a short meeting, five minutes, just to check in. How are you doing? How was the day? Or in the morning, just asking, how are you doing? Genuinely asking and having people comfortable talking to other people. Not everyone is comfortable talking to everyone in the workplace, but there is always that person in the office that people are always comfortable talking to. Mm-hmm. Or if not everybody is comfortable talking to that person, there's always another person that somebody else is comfortable talking to. So that is where the strong collaborative relationships come from. Uh And I do think empathy goes a long way as well in as far as this is concerned. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, Cynthia, thank you so much for sharing. I think you've pointed out quite a few things that nearly, nearly everyone listening in right now can relate to, especially in the workplace. And um, you've talked about, you know, the self-awareness that has come with your own journey of, you know, beginning to understand when you're pushing yourself too far, when you need to take a break. How would someone listening in right now start on that journey? Starting the journey may not always mean therapy. Mm-hmm. It can also mean looking at your support system. By your support system, I mean, for those that have families, what relationship do you have with your family? And for some people, that also the question also comes, is it worth building it or not? Because there's some people from very toxic families where mm. it's just not worth it. One of the core points that somebody can concentrate on is the friendships that you have. Do you have good friendships there is this thing in kampala where it's uh, you have the friends that are your friends then the friends that you call when you want to have a drink or mm-hmm. the friends that you call when you want to do abcd so it looks different for different people yeah. but finding your tribe i think is one of the best ways it also means finding people that hold you accountable it's important to have friendships where you you hold each other accountable uh-huh. because you're not gonna be losing yourself to something and your friends are just watching and not saying anything or enabling you mm-hmm. oh yes or enabling you you need to invest in good relationships with people but going kind does go a long way i do believe that kindness goes a long way and another thing that goes a long way is having healthy boundaries. Some people don't have healthy boundaries. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Once you have those things in place, you start getting um, self-aware even of yourself okay. because you understand your boundaries and they're healthy. Mm-hmm. So you start to realize what you can take and what you can't take and what's okay and what's not okay. But you also start to realize paying attention to your needs and paying attention to where you fall short as a human being, because we all do fall short everywhere. Yes. So being able to understand both sides of the coin, but ultimately it starts with a really good support system. But it's also important to understand that having a good system should not be one way. Are you also a good system to these uh-huh. people that are a good system to yes, you? Yes, yes. Because unfortunately, yes. there are some people who are just takers and they take, 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 but they don't give. Yeah, and you can't last like that. 
you have to also be giving but don't give too much to a point that your cup is completely empty <laughs> yes okay yeah all right well Cynthia thank you so much for joining me on the Groove Cafe pleasure speaking with you thank you so much for having me and yeah well done on the work that you're doing at Mind Bloom Africa it's definitely important thank you all right do take care you too bye 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 Groove Cafe